Welcome to the Uncommon Teen Podcast, the podcast for Christian teen girls. It is my heart to help you all overcome the real life challenges that you're facing, but in a way that stays true to who God created you to be. I'm your host and life coach, Jamie Kirshner, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Ladies, I have to tell you about this incredible subscription box that my friend Megan Watley makes for Christian teen girls. If you love getting gifts and growing closer to God, you are going to want to check out this box by The Beautiful Movement. These boxes ship out every other month with a different theme each month containing four to six different gifts. The gifts include something for your faith, for fun, for fashion, and even a gift you can share with friends or family members. And the best part is the November box is available for purchase right now. The theme is Fall in Love and is designed to help you fall in love with God and with His Word. To grab your box, head on over to www.jointhebeautifulmovement.com and enter the code UNCOMMONTEEN, all one word, to save 15% on your first box. Ladies, I am super excited about our guest today on the Uncommon Teen Podcast, Ashley Al-Salibi. Oh my goodness, her heart for teens, her heart for God is just so incredible. She is the author of the brand new book, My Refuge. I cannot wait for y'all to get to meet her. I believe that this episode can absolutely change your life. Be sure to share this with some friends of yours that you know may be walking through some challenging times because there's so much freedom in the message that Ashley shares. Ashley, I am so excited to have you on the Uncommon Teen Podcast this week. Oh, I'm so excited to be with you, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Before we get started in our interview, I always like to ask a couple questions so that these girls can get to know you a little bit better. And so the first question I love to ask is, tell me, well, I guess it's really not a question. I don't know why I say it's a question. So the first thing is, tell me something fun about yourself that not very many people know. I was a drummer when I was a teenager that may or may not conjure up images in your mind of like a really cool girl with like a trap set and everything, which is actually not what it was. I was on the drum line in our high school marching band, you know, with the full like hat and the feather on top and everything, but it's still impacts me to this day. This is probably what people wouldn't know if they just looked at me like passing me on the street, but I cannot get drum cadences out of my head even 20 years later. And so I still have the drum, the drum beats that we played when we would march into a stadium still in my head and they will get there and I can't help but like walk in rhythm to the the beat in my head, even going down the sidewalk in Europe. So like once a drummer, always a drummer. (laughs) I love it. So what was your choice of drum? So they kind of worked me through several different ones, but the last two years I played the quince, which is five tenor drums all in front of you and you kind of get to play all around. It was fun. It was fun. It was one of the heaviest instruments in the band and I'm really like a short person. So it always looked like I was about to like tip over because I was (laughs) carrying something so heavy, but it was a lot of fun. I love it. Any other band geeks out there listening to this podcast? Yeah. (laughs) We got you. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I would love for you to share your story. There comes a time in our lives whenever, even if we grew up as a Christian, where we have to make that decision. Are we going all in with God or are we going Mm -hmm. all in with the world? Where were you before you made that decision to go all in with God? What brought you to that decision? And then what has God done in your life after you made that decision? Yeah, that's such a great question, Jamie. So I did grow up in a home that I almost like to say that that bathed me in the gospel from the time I was born. I heard from my my parents and then grandparents and in church the good news about what Jesus has done for us. But just like you said, there had to come a time that I realized 
I personally need a savior. I was a little girl when this happened, but I remember when all the things my parents had told me about why Jesus needed to come because of our sin and we need to be forgiven for our sin. And the first time I realized that I was a sinner, that I needed a savior was after I had a fight with my little sister. And that's when the Holy Spirit chose to just open my eyes and bring a conviction that's good, right? Because when God opens our eyes to our sin, that's because of his kindness and it leads us to freedom. And so I just remember going, my mom was on the phone and I was like tugging on her because I wanted to talk to her about what God was showing me. She was busy. So I just went to my room and knelt down by myself and prayed a simple prayer about Jesus, I need you to forgive me and I need you to to be my savior because I just was aware of the first time that I was a sinner. You know, that was I was a really little girl. So fast forward to when I am a teenager and maybe because of my personality or because I had grown up for so long as a Christian, I really had become quite a a Pharisee if we want to use like a term from the New Testament, which means I thought I was a really godly girl and really thought I was a lot better than the other girls around me. So I'd be walking through the hallways of my school and whatever it was that I would criticize them about in my head and think, you know, that I was such a godly young woman, which is really a sinful attitude to have. And it's missing the point of how much we need God's grace. And so I just remember when actually I was a freshman in college, so I was 17 and the Lord opened my eyes through his word. I was just reading in Ephesians and he opened my eyes to the fact that I was not uh, this good girl that I thought I was, that I desperately needed a savior, desperately needed God's grace, just as much as these girls that I think I had thought I was better than. And so it was a really big turning point. And I continue to need God to teach me about this, right? But he showed me how much I need God's grace and don't deserve God's love, that it's his kindness and his grace that he lavishes on us. And that was a turning point and it allowed me to have some opportunities to serve him and some ministry opportunities that I wouldn't have considered before because he just opened up my heart to women that were different than me, that struggled in different ways than I struggled. But he had showed me we all in the same way desperately needed his grace and his salvation. And that was a big turning point for me as a kind of older teen. It just shows you like when you make that decision, like the compassion that Jesus has for us, like just really starts to come out of us as we make a difference in the lives of others. Now, I know that you have a brand new book out. So tell us what your book is called. It's called My Refuge. It's a contemporary fiction book, which means it's not like fantasy or anything. It's about girls living right now while we're living. And it's about four different girls who are all living on different, uh, really different parts of the world and different cultures. So one of them is in Canada. One of them is in a, a refugee camp. She's a Syrian refugee. One of them is in Houston in a hospital waiting for a heart transplant. And one of them is in a bomb shelter in Ukraine. So really different circumstances. But the kind of unifying factor for these four characters is that all of them feel trapped by the circumstances that they're in. They all feel stuck in a situation that they can't escape, that they can't get out of. And those circumstances, even though they're really different, isolate all of these girls. They feel kind of shut off from friends, from the community that they would normally have, and they just feel stuck. So that's kind of the theme of of the book, but it's called My Refuge. So it's kind of like a spoiler right in the title because by the end, there's some really good news that God has for them and some cool ways he works in their lives. Yeah, I love this message because 
I know that there are so many girls that are listening that have felt that way. They felt isolated. There was one that actually just wrote in to me this week that was saying that she is in a school where she doesn't know any other Christians and she feels mm-hmm. alone. And I hear this quite often. Have you ever felt like that? Like, have you ever felt like you were isolated as a teenager? Yeah, I've definitely had circumstances in my life that like, if I could have changed them, I would have. And I felt so stuck the way it would start to affect me. Cause I think, you know, we can feel stuck in our circumstances, but we don't all respond the same way to that, that feeling or that kind of sense of being trapped. And so sometimes I would notice after a long time that a lot of like anger had built up in me and I didn't really know who I was angry at. I just felt like kind of angry all the time because I didn't like these circumstances I was in. I remember one time I went and sat in Starbucks and I was journaling and I was kind of just talking to God about what's going on with my heart and confessing to him. I was feeling really angry and he's so gentle and so good. And he just showed me it was him that I was angry at because I wanted him to change my circumstances and they weren't changing. It took him showing me that and opening my eyes to that so that I could start to work through it with him. That's kind of similar to one of the characters in the book, but there have been other times where I struggled with depression or I struggled with anxiety. That's something that a lot of girls in this generation are also facing. And you may be listening and you're thinking, I'm so exhausted of being afraid all the time. It's so exhausting to be worried and tense and scared all the time. And I I get it. And you feel so trapped and you don't know how to stop kind of these racing thoughts or your racing heart. And it can feel like you're so stuck. Or you might be listening and thinking like, I don't remember the last time I genuinely smiled and like actually felt happy because maybe you're struggling with some depression or some despair. And I've been there too. And I know that we can feel so trapped and so stuck and not know the way out. Maybe we feel like it's not something we want to talk about or can talk about with other people. And that makes it feel even more isolating. So the fact is, the reality is a lot of girls and women are feeling the same way that you're feeling, but sometimes we just, we don't know what to do when we're so trapped or stuck. And that's one of the reasons that I wrote the book. You know, when you listen to me or Jamie or somebody at your church, it can, you know, we're usually, we're teaching and we're preaching, which is so important in the body of Christ. But sometimes telling a story, like a piece of fiction, can help us because we get to see behind the scenes, like the way this the girl in the book is thinking and the way that her story doesn't just wrap up neatly like a, a sermon and there we go. Like it's a messy process and it can be a long journey. And so sometimes to see in a story, oh, wow, the way she's thinking and she's not just like getting everything perfectly and giving all the church answers can be kind of reassuring to just see from behind the scenes, like inside somebody's head. You're right. Like it's not so perfect and so beautiful and we get it right all the time. And one thing I try to do is I try to tell them behind the scenes stories because I mean, that's how we connect with each other. And that's how we see like, you know, things aren't always as amazing as we'd like. (laughs) Yeah. But God always comes through for us. So I would love for you to share with us a little bit about each one of these characters that are in the book. But these are not real girls and they don't reflect any specific girls that I know in my life. I spent a lot of time with a lot of different teenage girls. These are just totally made up, but I got like attached to them when I was writing the book. So one of them, her name is Eden. 
And all the girls in the book are 15 or turn 15 during the book. And Eden, her circumstances that make her feel stuck are that she's in a hospital in the ICU waiting for a heart transplant. And she's sitting there and now she's got her phone and her her social media feeds and she sees that all her friends like are living the life she used to live and that she wishes she was still living. And it's just going on without her outside her hospital window. And she's stuck in there and everything that she loved about her life is, is on hold. She can't have it anymore. And so she works through some bitterness and some anger. And I won't give too much of a spoiler about her, but there are some cool ways that God teaches her to work through what she's feeling. And actually we find out from scripture, like God gives us permission to just dump all of those feelings on him, whether we're feeling angry or bitter, or we have some hard questions, like some doubt. She kind of slowly works through in her story what to do with those feelings of, of anger and bitterness. The next character, her name is Zahra, and she is a Syrian refugee living in a refugee camp. And so she feels trapped because she's stuck in a tent in a refugee camp far from home. She's lost everything, especially what is important to her is her education. And she's not getting to pursue her education. And she's really smart and she's got goals and she's got dreams. And she doesn't get access to any of the education that she had always loved. And so she starts to struggle with just despair. Like all of her dreams aren't going to, aren't going to work out. She's going to be trapped like this forever. And we get to see by the end of the book. So there's a sequel coming. There's more to these girls' stories. But by the end of the book, you know, she's still there. She's still in the refugee camp. Her circumstances have not all gotten fixed, but God has started to do some really beautiful stuff in her heart. Then there's a character named May, and she's part of the Chinese Christian community living in Canada. And her circumstances that make her feel trapped are that it's right in the middle of the pandemic. And she's got some of the most strict, most hardcore restrictions that that any country had during the pandemic. She's basically stuck in her apartment with her family, but we see that she's got some cool opportunities through like her youth group meets online. She really loves that. She's got school online and she doesn't mind it so much, but like a lot of her world has shut down because of the pandemic. So that's where we find her. And the fourth character is named Katya. And she's in Ukraine. When the book opens, she's in a bomb shelter. Her story has a lot of fear, panic attacks of anxiety. So those are the four girls in the book. I love that. Like you said, you know, teen girls today, they're dealing with all kinds of challenges. You know, these are themes that a lot of girls are dealing with. You know, maybe they're dealing with some kind of hurt. Maybe it's not a heart transplant, but it could be, you know, a loved one went went to be with Jesus, you know, like passed away and they're dealing with the fear or despair or, you know, like there's all kinds of different feelings, especially as a teenager that we go through and we think these circumstances are facing us and how can I ever overcome them? Like, it just seems so big. And so I know that you want to kind of go dig deeper into one of these characters. It's the character May, who is Chinese Christian living in Canada. So I would love for you to kind of dig deeper into her story and some of the things that she's walking through, not just because of isolation, but because of temptations as well. So for this character, I will I will give you some spoilers. So if you decide to pick up the book, the other three you won't know so much about, but let me give you a lot of May's story because I think it's good for us to talk about. So May is so cute. She reminds me of myself in that she's a little bit awkward. Maybe, maybe some of you who listen can relate, but she's 
optimist. Like I said, she loves her youth group and now her youth group has moved online and she's doing great with that. Her her school's online, so she's with all her classmates in like Zoom classes, but she's, uh, she's taking it in stride. But one of the things that she faces and that she struggles with is because her world has gone completely online, she comes face to face with some temptation that maybe she wouldn't have faced had there not been a pandemic, had she not been forced to just move her whole life onto the computer and onto her phone. Our phones now are a really amazing opportunity for connection. They can be super helpful tools in our lives. But what our phones and laptops and the internet can do is isolate us specifically because they make secrecy possible. And secrecy can make us vulnerable to temptation. Now, what I love is that 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells us all the temptation we face is common to humanity. Like since the beginning of time, girls and guys, men and women have been tempted. And that is just part of what it means to be human. And that verse continues and says that God is faithful to always provide a way out of temptation. So we get to kind of walk with May through that. And her whole story through the whole book is her struggling with this temptation. May gets a message from another classmate, but this is a guy she's had a crush on. And he messages her. And of course, when you get a message for the first time from a guy that you've had a crush on, um, that's a really exciting thing. That's a really big deal. And he asks her to send him inappropriate photos. We can say maybe if we're not in the circumstance, well... (laughs) Of course, say no to that creep, but it's actually more complicated than that when it's a guy you really like and you just start to wonder, okay, well, I I don't want to like send him what he's asking for, but could I kind of like compromise a little bit? Like, is there a way I can still kind of keep his attention? And she struggles. And again, she's cut off from her normal, you know, she doesn't have her friends right there with her. She's just alone in her bedroom throughout the story, kind of struggling with this. And as the story unfolds, we see some of the ways that God intervenes to show her a way out. But we also see that it's not easy to resist temptation. And you may be listening and think, okay, well, nobody's asked me for like an inappropriate photo. That's not what I've experienced. But maybe it's something that you saw online, or maybe it's something that you've looked at maybe a lot of times. One of the things that May in the book experiences is that we start to feel maybe some shame and we start to feel like we don't know if we can talk to God either because we're tempted or because we have fallen into temptation and we have sinned. We just can feel dirty or feel you are so messed up now like something that has has been ruined. And so one of the things that I want girls to learn from the story of May is about how God feels about us. We know all the way from the beginning when Adam and Eve chose to sin against God and God came after them. God came looking for them. He didn't say, oh, I'm done with you. I'm, I'm so disappointed in you. That was your one chance. God came after them because he still wanted a relationship with them. God did not stay far away from us when he chose to save us. Hebrews 2 verses 17 and 18 say that Jesus became just like us, became temptable, became a person with all the feelings and experiences that we have. Now he did not sin, but he was tempted to sin. And it says in Hebrews 2, the reason that was part of God's plan was so that he can be merciful to us when we're tempted. God feels full of love and kindness and mercy towards us when we are tempted to sin or when we sin. He's not like, 
what are they doing? I have no idea why they would choose that. I'm so horrified and disgusted. Like, absolutely not. He is drawn to come even closer to us when we're struggling with sin. And that's one of the things May in the book hears from an older Christian girl in her life who's kind of like a mentor to her. She needs somebody else to tell her, to look at her, see her feeling ashamed and tell her, hey, that's not how God sees you. We know because of Jesus that God is not pushing you away. He's drawing you close. And that's the other passage from Hebrews 4, 16, that it says the throne of grace, God's throne is wide open to us when we need his help. When we've struggled with sin, it's wide open to us because of Jesus. I do want to agree with that. Matthew 14, 14 says, you know, Jesus looked out and he saw the people and he saw how they were like scattered. They didn't have any leaders. They were kind of wandering around just aimlessly and hurting and broken and it says that he was moved with compassion. And like, mm. that is that is our father. Like, he loves us so much. He doesn't look at us, like you said, and see us with disgust and like, oh, I can't believe that you would do that. He sees us with the heart of a father that says, oh my goodness, my daughter, like you are hurting so much and I want you to be whole and I want you to be healed and I want you to know how much you're loved. And so he looks at us and he sees us with compassion and that word compassion, I love it because, you know, sympathy is emotional. We feel for others and we want better for others, but compassion moves us to action. And that's why mm. Jesus died for us because he was moved with compassion for us. God wants you to come to him so that he can heal you. He wants to help you walk through this. This is not something he's like, okay, you got to figure it out on your own. He wants you to overcome this. And I have being in youth ministry for over 20 years and being a coach for teen girls, this is something I see quite often. They feel like when they mess up, they can't go to God. And even in the Garden of Eden, Adam did the same thing. <laughs> he went and hid instead of running to God. And we see in Genesis where God is asking him, why are you where you are? Why didn't you come to me? Because I want to help you overcome this. First John 1 John 1.9, it tells us that if we mess up, even if it's been years of messing up, it says that we can go to God, ask for forgiveness. And God doesn't just forgive us, but he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And that unrighteousness is that guilt or that shame that we're feeling. He's like, you know, I'll take it away. Like all of it. Now we've got to step into that and say, every time those feelings come up, say, no, <laughs> God has forgiven me and I'm free. That's so cool that you brought up First John 1, 9, Jamie, because I was thinking earlier about the verse right after that in First John 2, 1, and it's, he says, you know, because we want to think about, okay, if I'm forgiven, but then I'm tempted again, you know, how do I handle with this? Like, how do I approach this sin struggle that I have? And he says in the next verse, I'm writing these things to you so that you will not sin. But if you do, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And so I just love that. And of course, God's God's leading us to freedom away from sin. He's rescuing us from this stuff that wants to trap us, right? These decisions or choices that could trap us. So he's, he's leading us away from that. But he also says, but if you fall, Jesus has got you covered. It's Jesus's righteousness before the Father. And I'm just like, oh, thank God for that, because that's our only hope. For me, for you, Jamie, for the girls listening, that's our only hope. That's right. I love that. This has been so good. I would love to know, is there any last words that you'd like to share with these ladies? You might be thinking, Ashley and Jamie, like I hear you guys on a podcast, but in my real life, I don't have any 
ladies who can teach me this stuff or who I could go to, or I, you know, I've got my Bible here in front of me, but I'm confused. I don't know which part of it to read. And if that's you, if you're thinking like these things that the girls in the book have, that's not part of my life right now. It says in the Psalms, send out your light and your truth and let them lead me. And I want to encourage you to pray that to God today. If you feel alone or confused, God wants to provide for you and he wants to show you how much he's, he wants to surround you and help you. So would you pray that today, wherever you are, whatever time it is that you're listening to this, would you pray like the psalmist did, send out your light and your truth to lead me because he wants to, and he loves you so much. Yes. So good. (laughs) Thank you so much for being a part of the Uncommon Team podcast. Now, how can these ladies find your book? It's on Amazon. You can get the either the ebook version if you like to read ebooks or you can purchase the paperback. Awesome. Very cool. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. This has been such a good conversation. I know that so many girls are going to be free because of it. And I'm just, I'm so thankful. And so ladies, I encourage you hop on Amazon, grab Ashley's book. You will not be disappointed. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. It's so cool that, you know, we just connected on Instagram, but I've been really grateful to get to hear your heart and to get to know you. And I'm so grateful that God has put you in the lives of these girls. So thank you really a lot, Jamie. All right, ladies. I hope that this episode helped you today. I hope that you see that you're not alone and that God is so good and he's always calling out to you. Now I want you to repeat after me and I want you to really mean it with all your heart. I am beautiful. I am valuable. My beauty and my value, they don't change. Even if someone fails to see how incredible God made me. All right, ladies, real quick. We are in the month of November, which means Friday nights, we are doing our SOAR calls and we would love for you to join us. The SOAR coaching community is such a great community to be a part of, especially, you know, Ashley just got done sharing about how teenage girls a lot of times can feel isolated, but this community is meant to let you know that you are not alone. You will grow in your walk with God. You will meet other teen girls who are just like you, who want to grow in their walk with God, who are just fun to be around and are just really great, great ladies. So if you would like to know more about those calls, head on over to uncommonteen.com and click on the tab that says, have you joined the community? I hope you have an amazing rest of your week and we'll see you back here next time.